Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. Adventurers, welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here with my good buddy, Lotus of Doom, in order to talk with you guys about Lotus's favorite Daedric Prince. Lotus, are you are you ready? It's Hermaeus Mora time. It's Hermaeus Mora time. It's Hermaeus Mora time. Why not Hermaeus Mora? Why not Hermaeus Mora? <laughs> the first edition I got to be involved with for Lorcan. Yeah, the first episode you were on, man. Like- it was the first episode I was on. We made that weird off brand joke about why not Hermes Mora, which became a pretty popular shirt. One, which you know, now that I realize I squandered my own opportunity for the video version, should have worn my, my version. I have that shirt. Yeah. I thought about wearing it too, but I didn't want to dig it out of my laundry pile. Yeah. I got kind of lazy about it. I did think about it, but then I was like, "Eh, most people listen to the show. They won't be able to see it on me anyway. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I I did the exact same thing. I I (laughs) forgot to wear my shirt, but whatever. Hermes Mora. Hermes Mora. Greatest Daedric Prince. Unquestionably, this will be a totally uh, unbiased (laughs) (laughs) episode and not me just fanning out over how much i love Hermaeus mora yeah well we're gonna we're just gonna go ahead and get into it then because yeah there's all sorts of fun stuff to talk about when it comes to Hermaeus mora and so, Hermaeus mora being one of the Erdedra, uh is is got a decent bit of a background so yeah yeah it's yeah. not uh yeah there, there's a decent bit to cover in terms of old herbie yeah. So let's go through all the titles. We've got sure. Hermaeus Mora with the different spellings. And then there's also Hermamora, which is fairly standard in the lore. Yep. It comes up pretty commonly. Uh, sure. The Demon of Knowledge, the Master of the Tides of Fate, the Gardener yep. of Men, <laughs> yep. the Prince of Fate, Lord of Secrets, Keeper of Forbidden Knowledge, the Golden Eye, Erdaedra, <laughs> golden eye, <laughs> like you said, Erdaedra, uh, yep. abyssal cephalarch, cephalarch, cephalarch. The only reason, oh my I, god, look, I told you that the one time that I'll be able to help with pronunciations, hopefully, is this episode, just because I've dealt so much <laughs> with the cephalarch. But yes, I believe, I believe the correct way. Yeah, it's, it's cephalarch. Yeah, it, it's the spelling is C E P H A L I A R C H. So rolls right off the tongue. You can see why that one's weird. Uh, uh-huh. Old antecedent, scryer, inevitable knower, lord of knowledge, the one who knows, and is also known as uh, to the at Morins and Bosmer as Herma Moore, which was mentioned before. Uh, but yeah. it's this one has a dash in it instead of quotes around Herma. So 
Mm, slightly right. different. Um, the Woodland Man, which is for some reason the creepiest one to me. It's it's very creepy. And actually, back originally, I, I it was one of the ones, and I, <laughs> I even tried to look this up. And the Woodland Man, it it is. It's just a creepy vibe, which it's it's not. At least I've never found a direct reference to why that exact phrase is used. Mm-hmm. Um, but since, you know, the, the Bosmer kind of have their own take on Hermes, more as most cultures do, mm-hmm. it would I, I could see um, the potential for like, OK, if you're seeing this shape out in the, the woods or whatever, and Hermes Mora, unlike the other Daedric princes, where we've made reference to the fact that sometimes it's a little tricky to nail down exactly their form. Right. Hermaeus Mora takes the cake on this one because Hermaeus Mora is essentially completely no reference to human form whatsoever, other than the fact that it has an eyeball or many eyeballs. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it very amorphous. He's drastically different depending upon game, but like, Hermaeus Mora is very much an it rather than <laughs> really being able to put your thumb on exactly. Oh, it's this is the female version or this is the male version. It's just this is the squid version. This is the lobster version. This is the smoky version. <laughs> right. This is the one with extra tentacles. It's not quite the same as with a lot of the other uh, Daedric princes. Right. Uh, this is the first one that one that we've discussed in this series that we're doing right now that doesn't typically take on a humanoid kind of form. Right. Hermaeus Mora doesn't really care about uh, appearing in a guise that is particularly appealing or even easy to communicate with (laughs) when it comes to mortals. Yeah. He, uh, but so the idea that like the woodland man, this idea that like he would take on a form, a man like form at all, is kind of this foreign concept compared to the way that we, at least in the games, typically see him. And and you've described that before. Like, most of the time when we see Hermaeus Mora, he's seen as some sort of blob with tentacles and <laughs> yeah. eyes and claws. And um, he's kind of amorphous many times. Very, yeah, uh, quite frequently. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. So this idea that like he would be described as the woodland man actually is is a very old description in the lore. And uh, we can get into that in a little bit. But that one that one just creeps me out. This idea that this old ancient description of him being the woodland man is just there's something about that that is just like I don't, it, it 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 has this vibe of old mythology the the kind of stories that people told uh centuries ago that you know somebody went out in the dark and in the woods and these are the things that they came across in the woods at night and then they came home and told stories about it um it it borders on the 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 mythology of the world of fairy and and I'm using fairy in the very old mythological sense of it. The the sense that somebody like J.R.R. Tolkien was tapping into when he was describing um, 
hobbits or men uh, stealing into the realm of uh, Lothlorien or something like that and seeing the, the realm of the elves and not really being able to describe it because it felt like it was this other realm and the the elder scrolls kind of plays on this a little bit with the the world of the daedra with um oblivion this sense that they they themselves exist in this plane that is other than what mortals are used to it is it is kind of this realm of fairy and that is a very old uh kind of ancient uh indo-european concept this this realm of the other and that's the, all of this kind of ties back to that for me. And I have a feeling that the authors, when they used these terms, were kind of relaying that kind of concept. This idea that, like, if you travel too, too far from the places of man, from the village, you might wander into this world of the fairy, to this world of the other. And maybe the woodland man might come upon you and it might drive you insane, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Which ironically happens to many people who kind of get lost in the stacks of Apocrypha. Um, This kind of insanity has a tendency to catch up to them as they search obsessively in in the literal term. Like they become obsessed with this type of forbidden knowledge or unending knowledge. And it, it causes insanity in a lot of people. So, yeah, yeah. This idea that like you could you could travel beyond the realms that we know into this other place and see things that aren't for mortal eyes. Um, and, and that's exactly what Hermaeus Mora represents. Um, there's a few other titles here. Uh, Hirma Mora for the Aliads and, of course, the Khajiit with Hermora with an A-H at the end, which is one of those ex- spellings they like to. They like to change with AH, you know, very like, fancy. It's very fancy, very cat like. Um, so those are the different descriptions. And, and a lot of those, like we were mentioning, tie back to this concept of knowledge, forbidden knowledge, the writing down of information, the the pulling in of knowledge and information, all of these kinds of concepts. And um, like you were saying, his realm or its realm or their realm, depending on how you describe her memoir and if they're a person or a force of nature or whatever, like we've discussed before, is the realm of Apocrypha, which is an interesting title. Lord, do you have I've studied Bible stuff and that kind of thing. Yep. The, the word Apocrypha, when it's used biblically, means the books of the Bible that were not canonized. Do you know about this? Right. Yeah, I, I vaguely I knew there was something about that, but I, I, I'm not like ex like an expert on that. So it's like I just thought it was like uh, more of like unreliable. But I guess that's kind of like tangentially it's, like yeah. a stretch to what you're saying. It's a synonymous way of, of thinking about it. So, yeah, sure. So like uh, like when you're looking at the Gospels, for example, you got like Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Right. Those are the canonized versions of the gospel. So at, I believe it was like the Council of Nicaea in the third um, century. The uh, they got a bunch of the church leaders together and they were like, okay, which of these books do you guys rely on the most and do you believe are the most accurate is basically the question they posed to all of these church leaders and they all voted on it. That's how canonization worked. It wasn't like God came out of heaven and was like, and behold, these shall be the books of the Bible from now and forever. No, they they got a bunch of church leaders together and they voted and said, "Okay, these are the ones that we think are the most accurate or the ones that are the most useful in our church services. And they voted like that. And and the ones at the front of the Bible are the ones that actually got the most votes. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's why uh, the book of Revelation, which is 
not revelations so people who say the book of revelations no there's no plural it's, it ends with an end yeah um, it's the book of revelation right there's only one revelation um that book is at the end because it got the least amount of votes and it barely ended up in in the bible anyway the those four gospels are the ones that actually got canonized but there are dozens of gospels out there and many of them are considered the apocryphal gospels apocryphal meaning non-canonized so the realm of apocrypha is named that because it is this realm of forbidden knowledge it is the non-canon knowledge it is the information that you're not supposed to read right <laughs> right and and to that point which is actually kind of interesting because i had never really thought about it until we kind of discussed it like that um is other than you know maybe scrapped ideas and stuff like that forbidden knowledge that the series hasn't delved into uh, yet that you know basically would go there it's kind of interesting that it's just with it being his search for all knowledge whatsoever it seems like that would be a good phrase for it because mm -hmm. it would include both the stuff that is in the series as canonized and also it if it's looking for all knowledge you can throw all the other junk in there too and it's like hey it's probably an apocrypha that might have just been scrapped like might might not have come to fruition might have been an old concept that got uh you know rewritten or something like that so it's kind of it's kind of interesting to think of it as like a weird fourth wall breaking name for the place that holds all the ideas that could or are in the series as well as those that kind of didn't make it or haven't made it yet so to speak yeah that's a cool cool way to think about it um and all knowledge is not all truth uh, that's right. that's something that's also interesting to think about all knowledge yes. is all knowledge all knowledge is not necessarily true C correct so i think that's part of what drives people insane is that when given too much information you begin to have a hard time discerning truth from falsity and your grip on reality starts to weaken because how do you then determine up from down, left from right reality from non-reality, right. all of that. And oh, I wish I remembered the book exactly offhand. I think it might be somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe it might be the book on oblivion where there is the mage who traverses through the plains of oblivion and eventually his journey on reporting back ends when he gets to apocrypha because he's basically driven mad in apocrypha mm -hmm. um searching through the stacks and basically his quest for knowledge is given free reign in all directions which kind of like overloads him and that's pretty much the 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 end of the mage i i think the book is on oblivion if i'm not mistaken um i, I actually should have looked that up uh, but either way the idea that i i like about that um is other than just the knowledge aspect and to anybody who hasn't seen a rendition of what apocrypha is because some of the daedric princess realms we haven't seen in a game uh, mm -hmm. we have seen apocrypha uh very specifically in the dragonborn expansion to skyrim you go to apocrypha uh we had talked about it when we were discussing the mirak episode yeah, yeah. um but basically the quick overview of apocrypha is it's stacks of books 
Um, there's, you know, liquid ink everywhere. The ground is made of pages of books and bindings and stuff. And then all around the outer portions of the solid area you walk on is just this seas of just this weird green liquid type of deal. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that, uh, you know, I, you want to go all the way back. It's one of my favorite phrases. And, um, in the UESP, they, they specifically have the title, uh, mentioned in, in the section when we were going through all of Hermes Mora's many, many titles, the master of the tides of fate. One of the things and what that is from is the elder scrolls legend battle spire in which when you're reading through the books in there, you can pick up a uh, book and it, it gives you like a quick background of, of the Daedric princes. And that was one of my favorite phrases is Hermes Mora all, you know, is searching, the uh, scrying the tides of fate. And one, I think that's a really cool way. That just sounds cool. Like that just sounds badass. It's like, oh yeah. man, that's creepy. Like it's like, oh, scrying the tides of fate. But the thing about that is the oceans of that weird green liquid give physical manifest manifestation to the tides, which is actually kind of weird. Um, I always found because mm. there's also, as we've brought up many times, the comparison to memories having a link to water in the series. Right. So I always found it interesting that Hermaeus Mora's realm essentially has its own almost corrupted version of that, where I think it's just like, it gives this cool vibe, whether intended or not. This is much more my take on it uh, than like a, a thing written. It's, it's neat that there's like, the oblivion version that he controls where he sees all of these things in his tides of fate, theoretically, um, which I just thought was a really cool visual thing they use to represent the distance. You can't go for gameplay reasons in Apocrypha. I just thought it was like a really good way of giving a visual version of like what, what is technically out there it's because it's just limitless in all directions theoretically um which is when you say limitless it, it's kind of weird because that's the concept of infinity is kind of hard to wrap your head around as a, yeah. a as a physical thing because we have a limit to what we can comprehend so right. just having these tides of fate go off in all these different directions which he reads and that's kind of the idea behind how the elder scrolls work as they're like guidelines through different, uh, you know, potential destinies and stuff like that. It's all gets pretty weird, but ties in a lot to Hermes Mora and his ability to read and predict stuff, but also not have just like he. It's not that he knows everything, right? Cause scrying, scrying means foretelling, right? So, it seems like or predicting and he's always trying to gather more knowledge implying that he doesn't literally know everything yeah but he's kind of like the center point that tries to collect it all mm -hmm. and it's just like um the other thing that i i because it's not really i don't know if it's necessarily canon or not because i believe it's from the forums uh a, a while back and it was from uh you know, previous writer of the series, Michael Kirkbride. But one of the things that I did think was cool, uh, the way it was phrased, I actually wish I knew the exact date for it, <laughs> but it, 
the part that I'm going to reference, which you can look up on the Imperial Library, I'm sure, as they have all of this documented, is um, the fact that he's made of uh, scraps of previous Kalpas. Oh, that's which is also Yeah. Yeah. That's like another thing where it's just like, it's just this unending. He's not really a being so much as uh, just this conglomeration of the thing that he's constantly trying to do, which is garner knowledge. And he's made of that knowledge sort of. Right. He is, he is himself a vessel that is trying to be composed of the knowledge and continues to, exactly. to fill it itself little, yeah yeah it gets a little weird <laughs> yeah yeah i wonder oh yeah i wonder how canon that actually is but uh, that is that is inter- interesting it, it was just yeah. a reference thing that i thought yeah. was cool because it theoretically fits with his vibe really well right right um, so, well, and, so it's just a thing i always thought was a neat addition because it it doesn't strike me as being canon by needing to break any other rules. It's just like, yep, that fits. Like I could totally see that if, you know, the Kalpic cycle is considered, you know, a thing that they want to stick with. Right. Right. It's, I mean, talking about things being kind of patched together, the Ogma Infinium. Yes. The, the book of knowledge, the cover of that itself is a patchwork. Exactly. In fact, it's kind of a gross patchwork, <laughs> right? Uh, as it's made of the skin of the races of <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the inhabitants of Nern, which is kind of gross, <laughs> right? So, I mean, this is interesting. So, the the Ogma Infinium, also known as the Tome of Power, the Librum of Knowledge, and the Book that Knows, is an ancient tome of knowledge and an artifact of great power. Written by Xarxes, the scribe of Ariel, who had been granted the knowledge within by Hermaeus Mora. The name of the tome comes from Ogma, the wife of Xarxes, whom he created from his favorite moments in history. There you go. That's it right there. Yeah. In, on the For anybody on the live, I actually have a physical Ogma Infinium. I use it to keep notes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Super gross. <laughs> but it is it is literally stitched together skin of the different uh races <laughs> yeah Tamriel. yeah yeah mm. the the knowledge within the tome grants the reader access to the artifacts energy which can be manipulated to achieve near demigod abilities the paths of steel shadow and spirit are the three main sections of the tome once the augment finium is used it disappears from its owner's possession but it's i mean it's kind of a i mean it fits the theme of uh collecting <laughs> some of the hey. It sure does. Mm. And and Ooh. the quest in Skyrim to get the Augment Finium requires you to collect blood of the different uh, races around Tamriel as well. So it's like you're you're killing you're killing whoever you need and then juicing them so that you can provide it to oh god yeah so it's a lot of collection that's that's like a big that's a big go-to for for hermaeus more is a lot of collecting information one way or another mm-hmm. uh, including mm-hmm. his daedric artifact which we can get into uh is, is just uh, it's like one of my favorite daedric artifacts uh yeah and it go ahead sure it was actually around uh this bit of trivia i guess which i didn't know originally um, it was around before Hermaeus Mora, Hermaeus Mora was written into the lore um, because yeah. you can get the Augma Infinium in Elder Scrolls one arena. Oh, wow. But 
later on they wrote no, him in and then associated correct yeah so yeah. the artifact actually existed before him the reason it's my favorite daedric artifact and there's varying degrees of you know it's implemented a little differently in each game, but essentially unlike, you know, a, a weapon of some type, you read the Augma Infinium when you get it, uh, it's prone to being glitchy. So you can kind of abuse it uh, <laughs> and reread it a bunch of times, a lot of, including in Elder Scrolls one arena. Uh, but you, you can read it and it just outright makes your character better. Uh, you pick skill lines and it just increases them uh, in, in, Elder Scrolls One Arena, I believe you pick uh, stats, and it just you can straight up it's improve just them. Straight up buff. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like there's no drawbacks to this thing usually, except that you can't pick all of them all the time. But then, like I mentioned, with it being a tad glitchy, not that I would of course recommend you do something like this, <laughs> but um, yeah, sometimes you can get it back, like in Elder Scrolls One Arena, uh, to get the uh, uh, Infinium, you can just like redo the quest you get it you get it back <laughs> so you can just reread it again it's like oh wow this makes me real i i can be as powerful as i want but yeah i it's it's one of the ones that i always like to get but i don't like to use it until i'm pretty powerful because mm -hmm. it ignores how much xp is required to level you and just gives you the levels so it's great at late game it's more valuable the longer you wait to use yes it. exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. It's a very min maxi, uh, <laughs> number crunchy item, which is probably why I like it so much. Cause that's how I kind of play these games. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we've got, uh, let's see, we've got a few different things to cover still. I mean, there's, there's a lot more we could talk about with Hermaeus more, but why don't we go ahead and take our, our mid break. And then we're going to talk about some more of the details, including some of the other artifacts. And then of course, we've got some other interesting facts for you guys about Hermaeus Mora. So we'll be right back. The skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire and every one a sign. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and man, we've you guys just keep signing up for the, for the Patreon, so I really appreciate it. We've got some other new patron members to call out today, and thank you so much for joining us on the Patreon. We have um, I'm F, Avery G, Alex W, and John R all signing up this last week, so welcome to the Patreon. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, it's nice and cozy in here with all 86 of us, holy moly, and Big a big shout out for Mr. Gummy Boy and Noodle Al Dente, our Daedric princes, who are are have been hanging out with us for a long time now. So welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for being here. And if you're a tier five Daedric prince, you get called out every week. And if we've done anything to help you get through your work week, you're just hanging out at work, listening to podcasts. If you're driving in your car, if you're working out, or if you are just playing all those awesome video games like Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, because Lotus and I are super excited about that game yeah. coming out because we're going to we're going to kill some peasant ass peasants in that game. <laughs> I booted that no, up. We're saving the peasant ass oh, peasants. Oh, yeah. We got to save them. That's right. I mean, yeah. Um, 
that's much better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I made it. I came up tonight because it, it released early and made my character, and he's ridiculous and has one really tiny eye and one really big eye. And Lotus uh, and I are going to be playing that. I'll be streaming it some this week too, so it, it's going to be a lot of fun. But man, those games are a blast. And this one makes fun of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, so that's especially fun. But uh, thank you to everybody who signs up on the Patreon. And if and if we're helping you get through your work days and all that kind of stuff, go to Patreon.com/slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast and check all the different tiers. You get ad-free episodes. You can sign up to get access to the 90-ish early episodes of the show where it was just me before Lotus came along. And you can check out all those different episodes. You can get to join us on our patron chat. And uh, <laughs> we're doing that next week. That's just a week away on the 31st. And uh, if you are a tier four or higher patron, we can hang out with you guys on the stream, on the live stream. You can be on the podcast. And you know what, Lotus, I was kicking around some ideas. I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, if you were going to be a Daedric Prince, like if you like, because there's the subjects in Elder Scrolls of like mantling. Yeah. And coming who, who to power. Who would you mantle? Who would you mantle? Ooh, that sounds weird phrasing. Yeah, okay, but like you get where I'm going with this, right? Like <laughs> I know what you're saying. If you were like in the world, if you were like some if you were like some powerful mage in Tamriel and you're like, okay. All right. I have the I have the potential here. Like I've been studying magic for a long time. I've got the I've got the power. I yep. have the devices to do this. I could take I could legitimately take on a Daedric prince at this point. Maybe not an Aedra, but a Daedra and right. mantle All them. Right and man mantle them and take on their position and become immortal which one which one would you do but you'd also become them right like like you'd have to take on their station in the hierarchy you'd take on like their role you'd basically have to become them like which one would you do because there's definitely some benefits and definitely some drawbacks for all of them yep yeah, they're, they're, yeah, that's it. That's kind of good. I like that. I like <laughs> yeah. that. And it does yet again bring up why not Hermaeus Mora? Yeah, not, mean, that's... not in chat says why not Hermaeus Mora? Exactly. Uh, I mean, if you want to be a big blob eye guy, who's, uh, I mean, that one could be interesting. I mean, there's a lot of knowledge at your disposal. It's true. Not a lot of drawbacks. It's true. You want to mantle that Hermaeus Mora? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can become gaseous at the drop of a hat. <laughs> amazing. Amazing how yeah. it works. <laughs> it's a selling point, right? So uh, let us know, patrons, if you guys want to talk about that next week. But that's happening a week from when we are recording this on Thursday night, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific. And uh, that's what we'll be chatting about. Maybe, unless you guys have some other ideas and we we're going to change it up. But uh, that's what we got going on. And uh, I'd also be reading out some uh, ratings and reviews, but we don't have any new ones to call out. Or at least we don't have any new reviews to read out. I'm sure we got some yeah, new ratings. Say, not with words. I'm is not going to be like... zillion five-star reviews, uh, which are appreciated. Well, very much appreciated. <laughs> but I'm not going to be like, and we have this five-star review. Like, cause I, I don't know who left them. We just see the numbers, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah. thank you. Thank you for taking the time to leave us ratings and reviews if we do get a new review 
review, I'll read them out on a future episode of the show. But on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, those are the places you can do that. And it helps a ton. It really does help us stay up high in the rankings. And every single one of you who takes the time to do that, very, very much appreciated. And, you know, sharing the show with your friends is another great way to do it. Whether you do that like in person or just share a link on social media or whatever. All of this absolutely helps, especially because this is a full time job for me. This is my career now. So every little bit helps to make this show keep going and it also helps to pay the bills and you know pay for things like insurance and you know car payments and stuff like that so i very much appreciate it thank you to everybody and let's get on with the rest of the show yes yes you're entirely brilliant conquering madness and all that blah 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 all right lotus do you have any other i know i know hermes your favorite he he hermy is my favorite hermy yes. is your favorite let's i'm gonna i'm gonna let you drive a little bit here is there what what's the next thing you want to talk about because there's a few different ways we can go with the rest of the show but what's um, the next thing you want to discuss so you know i since i kind of went on my initial tangent and even mm-hmm. jumped into the daedric artifact should we go and just cover the other two of note yeah um, yeah, yeah. Maybe let's just talk about it. So, so that we don't get too off base from where we were going with that, because there are two other uh, Daedric artifacts related to him. Um, one of, I, I, one of which, I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of weird. One of which is not one; it's multiple. <laughs> right. Well, but the books, right? The black. Books. Yeah, the black books, mm-hmm. which I think maybe we should delve into next. Okay. Um, which the black books are items that you can get from Skyrim. That's where they were introduced. That's the first uh, place that they kind of were referenced as far as I know. But uh, the Black Books are Daedric artifacts created by Hermes Mora, uh, the Prince of Favor. Okay, we don't. Uh, each book contains <laughs> a manner of forbidden knowledge. Some of the books are ancient. Are, sorry. Right, ancient they're past. from the ancient past, right? Yes, from the ancient past. Some are from the future. Uh, so again, what? it's more <laughs> knowledge-based stuff. How does that work? Right. Again, I'm assuming this ties into some of the weirdnesses of the way the Elder Scrolls work, where it's like, well, are they a potential future? Are they mm-hmm. a future that didn't happen? Are they it's, it's scrying, to... scrying the timeline in order to, like, put this down in a book and then put it out in the world, which, of course, messes right. with people's perception of reality. Yeah. Um, and then the USB references the, the thick tomes are bound in black covers, a symbol representing Mora on the front that emit a black mist, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's the best reference point I have for it is it's very similar to we had re- made reference to the ebony armor where you kind of like mist. It's very similar to that when you're wearing that, except it's coming out of the book itself. I, I think they have a really oh, cool man. effect. You know, what would be really uh, cool is if they sold these on the store. I would and be it all was about like a that. coffee table item and you could fill that. it up. You like you could like the book was empty oh, and have it be. But you could like fill the inside with water and it, ha- it was like battery powered or something. And when you closed it, it was so like it could be a humidifier it, as well. It was like a humidifier. Right. And it would like mist out the top. That's genius. And it would sit on your coffee table. So when you had a party or something, you could have like the black, like a black book on your coffee table, like misting. I would buy the crap out of that. <sighs> Just off your coffee. That would be awesome. And people would be like, what's with the book? <laughs> yeah. Like, why? <laughs> why is there's something wrong with your book lotus and you'd be like no, i mean there's not that's just that's what it supposed does to be the goal to like uh you know coffee table books isn't it i, I think 
that's uh, supposed topic. to it's supposed to spark conversation. Yeah. I mean, a, a misting demonic tome on your your coffee table seems like that would be a, a pretty good conversation starter at least <laughs> right right yeah like oh pictures of waterfalls places to visit while in <laughs> minnesota <laughs> for some reason <laughs> the black books oh, this one's <laughs> emanating moisture <laughs> of hermes mora emanating a creepy mist <laughs> weird selection you have there lotus <laughs> perfect <laughs> would you like some more chili cheese fries <laughs> um, thanks for coming yeah, to my so party everybody sorry go on to, no it's fine they're comparable to the augment finium and the idea of they they they're another tome of knowledge from Hermes Mora. Uh, the books were spread across Tamriel by Mora and are usually located in the depths of ancient dungeons, which that's where you find them throughout the island of Solstein. Um, through reading a black book, the reader will enter Apocrypha, uh, the realm of oblivion created by and ruled over by obviously Hermes Mora. Mm -hmm. Tentacles will emerge from around the tome and envelop the reader. Which, <laughs> Don't touch again, the book. Don't touch yeah, the it, book. It literally grapples you and essentially pulls you into Apocrypha is how it works in game. Um, an apparition of the reader's body uh, remains in the Mundus. So it's like the best way it's uh, you can kind of explain it because uh, there's a villager who without spoiling too too much in <laughs> skyrim uh gets a version of this done to him against his his will um but essentially it's just like this sucker device comes out <laughs> and pulls your non-corporeal form into apocrypha so your husk is just chilling out there while <laughs> i guess the, why, is, why is kevin just like vegging out on the couch at yeah, the party just, just with that out, black book on his lap doing his thing oh no he opened the book well kevin and the other thing about that which makes it kind of creepy um from from a in-game way of dealing with this is while you're in apocrypha just saying like oh you're up there is fine except that when you leave apocrypha by closing the black book and gaining some of its knowledge you come back and you are not where you left yourself like your your physical form has meandered off doing whatever <laughs> uh my favorite one was when you would come out of it and you would just be working on the the statues uh -huh, uh -huh. and your character is just basically doing minor work uh, without you having any input whatsoever and you have to like get control back over your character model so it's this weird like they do a great job of giving you like a freaky out of body experience where it's like hey my character wasn't doing that stop that what's going on <laughs> what's here? going so, on yeah your yeah. body goes on to like autopilot mode right yeah. and it, it that's just it and that's kind of where i assume you get a lot of it's similarly implied that that's what's kind of controlling a lot of the residents uh around the area mm -hmm. um what do you call it? But yeah, so either way, um, that's that's kind of the overall thing with the black books. We don't need to go into every teeny tiny detail. Yeah. But yeah, by reading them and closing the portion of Apocrypha you're in, you gain some type of skill-based advantage, very similar to what I was mentioning with the Augment Finium. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, they're really cool addition and they're all... There's a decent amount of them all segmented with their own types of forbidden knowledge, which are pretty cool. Like, I, I really... 
I thought they were a great addition of the series and like a similar but equally creepy version of something. It's like you can't they didn't stray too, too far away. But at the same time, they are unique from just being more Ogma Infinium, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Another book item, but a very different kind of thing. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, so we also have the the first blade. Yes. Which do you want to do the first blade? Because this is super neat. Um, because this actually just came to the Elder Scrolls Online uh, two weeks ago from the date of this recording. I think maybe it was a week, but this was actually just put in as a cosmetic overlay you can do to your weapon in game for Elder Scrolls Online, which is really neat. Yeah, that that is very cool. So this is also known as Mirak Sword. We did the episode on Mirak, right? Um, and it's a very powerful, powerful sword linked to Apocrypha. So if you remember the episode on Mirak, Mirak was hiding out in Apocrypha and was connected to Hermaeus Mora with that whole storyline and all everything going on there. Um, it appears as a primal green blade with a writhing lurker like tentacles wrapped around it which extend to attack targets and drain their stamina during combat. When it is swung, it takes the shape of a tentacle and grows in length. And even when not being swung, the sword wreathes with tentacles around it, with them parching around the base of the sword to expose a green eye. It can be tempered with the use of ebony and daedra hearts, much like the other daedric weapons. Um, it is unknown if the first blade was seen after the Merithic era, but by the second era, the skull of Solstheim knew it was uh, knew it as a strange sword that belonged to a renegade dragon priest named Mirak far in the distant past. So it was left in Solstheim after Mirak departed, but was well known as his weapon during the Merithic era. The um, sword was in possession of the renegade dragon priest Mirak, perhaps dating back to the time before the dragon war and was in his possession during his time in Apocrypha. In the fourth era 201, he used the sword while battling the last dragonborn at the summit of Apocrypha who killed him and took possession of the blade. So um, uh, I guess there's some some mix of information there. It, like, how did the skull in the second era know of the sword? And yet it was with Mirak during all of that time. It's a little weird, but then I guess there's the information some... about it passed forward, even if it was with him in perhaps the one thing that's um interesting just again related to uh the dragonborn expansion itself is the skull seem to have some way of keeping knowledge that hermaeus mora himself struggles to get as that's one of the objectives for you in that expansion mm -hmm. so it makes me curious if they had some deeper tie to that that they might have some knowledge to that um along with you know some of the other secrets that he essentially pries out of them at certain points or tries to um so mm. I, I wonder how far back the skull date date with some of the information they have because they're not this huge thriving society or anything like that they're, mm -mm. they're kind of like small scale in the grand scheme of things it, it's interesting that they have stuff that Mora struggles to get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're kind of a uh, Nordic tribe that right. live in Solstheim, or off the coast of Solstheim, right? That, yeah. Like, they're not right, known right. to have been anywhere else or, you know, I mean, they're a very small group of people. Exactly. 
So <laughs> Rob the Princess is the skull are the creepy woodsman too. <laughs> <Hermes Moore. laughs> Maybe. Ooh, yeah. There's, there's, there's definitely some gaps of information, at least that I, I'm not aware of in how some of this information got passed down, how they were aware of things. Um, right. And uh, of course we don't have. And how do you full... keep it from this demon that's literally its creation and existence is around collecting knowledge. Like how, yeah, for all of exactly this time, do they do right to keep it away from Mora. For, for millennia. It, right. It's yeah, not from just the like, Marithic hey, era just, on. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's an interesting note that somehow they, there's obviously something more with them. It actually makes me kind of curious. I kind of want to research the skull for an episode now <laughs> forward. See yeah. if there's anything explained. Yeah. I, so, um, yeah, the, the woodland man, um, the skull, the um, the connections like uh, Hermaeus Mora, like the name itself has something to do with the woodland man. Like that's that's part of the the character's name. Um, so there's definitely some stuff there. And, and uh, before we go talking in, any more about that, we definitely need to research that. that yeah, that one I'd rather research before just doing wild speculation. Right. There are definitely some things that I've read before, but I need to I need to refresh myself on exactly what the details are on that. Um, but those are, those are the items. Those are the artifacts. Um, of course, Hermaeus Moore shows up in the different games. Um, he's involved in elder scrolls online. There's, I mean, there, there's a lot of different stuff where he seems like he may even be in the background somehow, maybe plotting things or just yeah. kind of being involved and we just we're, we're not really sure he's not one of like the forward facing super active characters although he does take a very active role in mirak and the events of the, the dragonborn expansion that's probably the most active we've seen him in any of the storylines that I'm aware of. Can you think of anything else? Yeah. I mean, he has a few stray quests in Elder Scrolls Online, but again, not super active, more of like, correct. they're just kind of related to him. There, there are, there's a couple that are related to him. He does have his Seekers archive in the Craglorn region as well, mm -hmm. uh, which he has a really awesome statue inside the Seekers archive, which I still would really like them to implement as a uh, housing yeah, because that'd be, that'd be cool. um, that's very cool. But yeah, it, it's a lot more of his stuff is tangentially related to him rather than him actively doing too, too much. Or, um, or groups of people who are curious about him or worshiping him or. Yes. Like, and then you'll deal with them. There's a wood elf right. uh, quest line like that. Um, mm -hmm. or if, a if group of Bosmer who believe that their Hermaeus Mora isn't the same as the Daedric Prince Hermaeus Mora. Yep. The, like, um, things like that like people who who swear that like he's a good force for knowledge or you know like like right. the differentiation different differences in the different races and cultures and the way that they see him um there's a, there's a lot of that kind of stuff but the the stuff that you deal with in the dragonborn dlc where you actually like go to apocrypha and you see the right. writhing a... mass of blob going blah, blah 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 doing his funny voice thing and then you know um and you actually see like the bookcases and the poor souls who are like losing their minds and are yes. trapped in apocrypha like that is the that is like yeah, super his active enemies, the seekers or well hit 
your enemies, his minions, the seekers and the lurchers and stuff like that are all of his like kind of abomination Daedric versions. Um, the other thing too is the vile Mance public dungeon. It's in Reaper's March in Elder Scrolls Online. That that's tangentially related to somebody taking something from him that he did not approve of. Which your goal is to squash that mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um so that that's related to him as well but it, th- to your point he's never really any even with the dragonborn expansion he's not this mastermind like oh it's time to take over right there's points where it's like yeah do this because i want this but like it's not this he's not prone to a world plot so far in the series the way Mayron's Dagon constantly is or uh you, you know Molag Ball or something like that right right or some of our suspicions about some of the other characters we've talked about Correct. We're like right, what is their real goal here because they seem to be interfering exactly. with, with mortal a lot there's yep. got to be something else going on um but he does like he does like th- there's definitely moments where he's underlying things and he's definitely accumulating knowledge and information and dispersing false information into the world like black books and you know affecting people's perceptions of him in order to be worshipped and and those kinds of things like that does happen although it isn't as active as some of these other Daedric princes he I mean he has to sustain his existence yes so there is some of that Um, or at least it seems like there is but again kind of foggy stuff though we're not right a hundred he's he's the information about him is a little amorphous just like he himself is exactly (laughs) it's it's he's a physical manifestation of sort of what he is right right so okay so let's get into some of the trivia stuff here because unless there's something else you want to cover before we No, those i was going to say i think we can move on to some trivia stuff about it because uh yeah we've we've covered a decent amount uh so so far he's got some interesting little stories that relate to him but we don't need to go through each and every one and also i believe we actually might have done some of them on the previous version of this so yeah yeah i i i would i i think a little more a trivia to close things up would be interesting right so okay so he is of any of the creatures in the elder scrolls the one that is most in line with lovecraftian horror and i'm sure just even saying this a lot of people who are familiar with lovecraft's work are going to go oh my god you're right so the necronomicon and the relation of that to the Agma of Infinium and even just the way it looks. Um, this idea of a tentacled, unknowable appearance of eyes, this creature from the beyond that looks different, that is accumulating a wealth of knowledge that when you become aware of it and you start to understand it and drives you insane. That is absolutely Lovecraftian horror right there. Oh, yeah, very much so. Absolutely. So Yog sathoth um, uh, Shuma Gorath, uh, uh, the great race of Yith, is is even a reference. Uh, Hermaeus Mora's realm of Apocrypha, a vast dark library full of books, is similar to the libraries of the great race of Yith. Um, his obsession with scrying the tides of fate and seeing into the future fits perfectly with the theme of Deoloth, a being that is also concerned with imparting knowledge and the truth to who su- whoever summons it. Um, so a lot of these themes all come directly from Lovecraftian writing. Uh, Very much. And, and just his whole vibe, mm-hmm. like aesthetically, 
it really is the Lovecraft horror thing through and through. Right. So it's it's as if he himself was just like a combination of different Lovecraftian works just called mushed into one character. Yeah. So very, very cool. But it totally makes sense that if you're into that kind of stuff, you're going to like Hermaeus Mora. Um, another thing that's really cool is that um, and uh, I think do we notice? Did we know this before? Um during the events of The Elder Scrolls Online, which is, of course, set in the second era, a number of books from the future can be found. Yes. <laughs> the books are implied to have been brought over to the second era through the use of magical halls created by a worshiper of Hermaeus Mora. So this is one of the reasons why some of the books that you can find in ESO weren't written until later in the timeline. Right. I, I had not actually heard that. That's an interesting little way of... Uh, sort of retconning that into the series because they do definitely do some interesting gymnastics sometimes to st- try to sync up some lo- that's that's kind of amusing okay so it's like it, some of them were pulled out of you know time and they ended up here it, it, which i guess since eso takes place during the interregnum it's a it's a disaster of timeline anyways so mm-hmm. like it doesn't seem that far-fetched but yeah that that's interesting i kind of like that actually that's kind of neat yeah yeah so again the whole like time breaking thing that kind of happens um so this is this is kind of an interesting quirk uh so if the dragonborn dlc is installed in skyrim um her Hermie, good old Hermie, will still will appear during the quest discerning the transmundane as a mass of dark green tentacles instead of the wretched abyss which is his preferred form for dealing with mortals though it will continue to be displayed as the wretched abyss so the the form that he yep. shows up with before you get the dlc is different than the form he shows up with after you get the dlc but it doesn't change for that quest line so yeah he kind of goes back and forth uh which is kind of interesting yeah that's pretty neat yeah so um and then uh, real quick the a storm a character uh from the um the skull often refers to hermaeus mora as herma mora due to her mora also being known as a demon in the scholar which uh rob yep. the princess talked about the skull right like them like to the skull herma mora is basically their like their satan he's he's like yes. the devil incarnate it's an to them. active enemy to try to avoid right right so yeah so whereas which is completely opposite compared to what the Bosmer see him as, as right. just kind of this, almost like this good spiritual power rather than a Daedric uh, prince. So uh, the worship of him varies in very different ways across all the different mortal races, but most of them see him simply as a, a, a Daedric prince. And, yep. you know, the seeker and holder of, you know, knowledge that you shouldn't have. <laughs> So, and the best Adric Prince, and the best Adric Prince. I couldn't find, um, I couldn't find much about a voice actor. The voice is so uh, different. I, I guess I could, I could look a little bit harder. Um, but I'm sure, I'm well, sure there's an inform- ESO compared to, uh, yeah, there's because sure in Skyrim it's West Johnson. Is it West Johnson? In it's Skyrim? West Johnson again. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. there you go. His range is unparalleled. <laughs> wow. Uh huh. And he just kind of warbles his voice, huh? I, yeah, I, I guess he just puts marbles in his mouth and <laughs> talks real slow. <laughs> uh, Wes Johnson. I, yeah, I actually, um, fortunately, I do not know uh, who 
for anybody who doesn't know, Wes Johnson does Sheo Gorath. He does um, a lot of the guards. He does like every other voice in Oblivion. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he does many, many characters. Um, and he's a super awesome guy. You should follow him on Twitter. Um, he's he's a very cool very cool guy but he's a very talented voice actor he does a lot of different voices in this series and a lot of other things yeah i don't actually know um who shoot yeah i don't don't know who does i'm trying to actually look up who hermes mora is in a uh, in elder scrolls online it is not wes johnson because until recently wes johnson um wasn't in Elder Scrolls Online as a voice actor. He recently became one, uh, right. which is interesting. Yeah, uh, he, they swapped yeah. him out with some other people for some yes. of the other roles. Uh, but prior, prior to, he had not been in the actual uh, Elder Scrolls Online. So like he, he's mm-hmm. kind of a new addition. So whoever was doing the Hermes Mara voice acting uh, in Elder Scrolls Online was not him. And I... Yeah. And well, maybe we'll find it out. We'll post it. Yeah. If, I was browsing through it. and all I can find is the reference to Wes Johnson. Uh, I, I yeah. can't find who else did it, but to be fair, they weren't bad. They were a little, they spoke very similar, uh, mm-hmm. but it did sound kind of more like somebody who was mimicking Wes Johnson's version. Right. Uh, as opposed to, <laughs> yeah. So, but, well, there yep. you go. And uh, anything else you want to add before we head out? No, I don't think so. Um, I just, I don't know. This, in terms of just, uh, you know, joking aside, because this is definitely my favorite Daedric Prince and everybody likes to joke about the fact that it's just like, yep, he <laughs> more is my go-to. Uh, but one of the things that I, I originally drew me to this character is just, it's very weird compared to anything else in the series as well. Like mm-hmm. Elder Scrolls has definitely got, a wide swath of variety with characters and gods and stuff like that. Hermes more is really out there even compared to the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I really like sort of the ambiguity that comes with Hermes Mora because like we had mentioned, Hermes Mora doesn't, he's got objectives or it's got objectives, but at the same time, it's generally just, floating around doing its own thing collecting it's not overtly hostile or overtly friendly it's it's like chaotically neutral to be fair because mm-hmm. when you're beneficial to hermes mora no big deal mm-hmm. when you're not beneficial to hermes mora okay all done and a lot of times it's just like that you're dead like i'm just done with you now like it, yeah nothing it's just whatever hermaeus mora is currently looking for is hermaeus mora's objective which which is kind of neat because the ambiguity to that is just kind of cool because you can morph that into your own like oh i'm on i like this character oh nope this character is my enemy you can totally do it both ways um and the only other thing which i, I make no bones about uh elder scrolls 3 morrowind is my favorite um uh, in in the series but it pains me that Hermes Mora has like no input in that game. Yeah. There's no shrine. It's still, it's one of, so as weird as it is, the game that onboarded me hard to this series <laughs> was lacking my favorite character. <laughs> and looking back at that, it was one of those things that I never realized until later on. 
because as soon as I found Hermes Mora in Oblivion, it was like, oh, cool. It's a giant potato crab. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a blob, it's a blob monster tentacle yeah. thing. And, and going back, I was like, where's Hermes Mora? And it's just, Aww. it wasn't a focus in Morrowind. It's, yeah, not really. Yeah. No. So it's, it's, it's just weird that, that that was kind of a Daedric omission for the most part in Elder Scrolls 3, uh, which is you know, my joining of the series and my favorite character wasn't really a focus in that one. <laughs> they were like, this game's already too weird. We can't add yeah, more. We got to rein it <laughs> in a can't. little bit. <laughs> we can't add any more into this. Look, we get four more tentacles and one eyeball and I'm sorry, we're getting some new rating scale. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're approaching Japanese rating scales at this point. <laughs> this is, it's gone too far. Um, it's gone too far. It's gone too far. This is, yeah, we can't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I like Hermaeus Mora a lot, I think. Uh, and, you know, once you draw the Lovecraftian connections into it, all of a sudden it's hard to avoid. It's hard to avoid. <laughs> like if you are if you are aware of that and if you haven't drawn those connections before, you start to go, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, to totally. Yeah. Absolutely. See all of that. That totally makes a lot of sense. But if you're not familiar with that kind of stuff in that in the last, I would say the last 10 years, Lovecraftian horror has become so much more influential in you know last 10 or 15 years but oh yeah if you go back to the release of skyrim and skyrim's dlc i would argue that it wasn't as well known and no so coming across a creature like this in a game like that would have been a lot more surprising and you may not have understood those references and those kinds of things so you yeah it would have it would have felt a lot very left field especially for a game like skyrim that traded like uh, you went from oblivion you know so we went from morrowind with like mushroom towers and like it felt like this alien landscape to oblivion which was basically you know fantasy high fantasy world you know knights and you know and then yep. of course demons coming through portals and then you went to and now we're going to go to the frigid north with nords you know like yep and i'm a nordling and i'm slaying dragons and like you know like all the common like regular kinds of tropes that we're familiar with in like european fantasy stuff right and then this dlc and blobby tentacle monster and all of a yep. sudden we're off in like fa weird world again yeah it, it it takes a pretty pretty direct turn all of a sudden it's like oh all right then yes yes and like yeah very different kind of setting and creatures and all that stuff gets like super weird so yep. it was a nice change I, I thought it was a really cool cool change and a very interesting daedric prince to, to throw into the mix um and we've talked about this before the, go the ability of elder scrolls online to go back and forth between the familiar and then the very unfamiliar and the familiar and the very unfamiliar and i hope with right. the next uh mainline game in the series that they're still able to do that i hope that they still have some too. surprises because we've gotten a lot of content with eso over the last years now that we've become very familiar with the Daedric princes. We've become very familiar with the different races and the different places you can go in Tamriel. I'm, I'm ready for something that does both feel the same because it's going to be set in a place that should feel pretty familiar, but I'm also ready for things that feel very different at the same time. Like right. if we are going to go into a realm of oblivion or beyond that, I I'm ready. For, I'm ready for something else to blow my mind. Yes. Um, 
And I guess before we end, one thing that actually is kind of an interesting note, Rob, the princess just mentioned uh, some tie-ins to D and D with elder brains. But the one thing that I specifically, it's not really listed specifically as one of his minions, but it's just one of the things that elder scrolls online has kind of done a decent bit fleshing it out are uh, with the D and D reference. I'm not a D and D player. So forgive me if I beholders, I believe they're called. They're the, like eyeball things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, right. So an elder scroll, the elder scrolls version of that is called a watcher. Um, it's this basically floating eyeball with some tentacles or whatever. Recently, specifically in Blackwood, I will not spoil it for you, but in Blackwood, it, it there are quests related to these little watchers being out in the world, literally collecting data for Hermaeus Mora, um, which is very, very cool. There are a couple, a couple quests and stuff like that uh, in, in game. So that relate to that. So it's, it's neat to see like little mini versions of himself. Little mini more kind of, yeah. Little mini more is <laughs> floating around doing like essentially data collection for him. I assume sent across Nemo spores. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But well, yeah, that's just another thing that they've been kind of doing a decent amount with ESO that I thought was kind of neat and, and new as far as I know. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Go check that stuff out. Um, all right, man. Well, this has been super fun as usual. Yeah. And, um, do remember patrons and potentially future patrons if you'd like to join us on the patron chat that will be on thursday of this coming week so on the 31st and we look forward to chatting with you guys maybe about which magic which daedric prince magic prince daedric prince you would like to mantle my brain tried to mush daedric and mantle together (laughs) um and also thought gross (laughs) all at the same time (laughs) uh but lotus you got anything going on that you want to you want to shout out i know we've got big news about tales of tamriel we do you'll be joining us this week i believe yeah yeah, yeah exciting stuff so you'll be joining us on tales of tamriel this week which will be fun uh we've got a big announcement to have over there and then the other thing I, I, the only thing i personally want to shout out just because i think it might be of interest to the lore-based audience here more than the other show that i'm part of with tales of tamriel um I have started, I've got three episodes up now and there will be more coming this weekend. I'm doing a little bit of editing and improvement based on people's suggestions from the first three episodes. So feedback has been awesome and I really appreciate it. And these have kind of taken off a lot more than I expected. I thought this was going to be a little more niche and it's a little bit not so niche. (laughs) Um, I am going through for the sake of lore and the story, the group dungeons in game in which you need to have a set of people to do. I mean, you could try to do them solo, but more or less, they're more complicated for people to just get the storylines out of. So myself and some friends, we've actually kind of ironed out the best team comp for this um we're going through and slow rolling all of the stories as if you're watching a tv show um it's not our dialogue it's not us it's the game dialogue 
us going to try to get any relevant lore and stuff like that, look around, show you the environments and stuff and provide the storylines to these group things so that people can have them as reference points, because you also can't go back and redo these without making an entirely new character every time you do it. Um, so it's been something we started trying to do. I figured it might have interest to people who struggle to find groups for this stuff. Or when you do, cause if you do like dungeon finder, people just run through and, and it's like, they don't sit there for the dialogue and stuff like that. So this is going to be trying to remedy that for people. And I'm really glad that everybody's been enjoying it so far. Uh, we've got more coming. And then once we manage to tackle them all, the harder thing will be trials, which is the 12 person group event, which also have some amazing stories to them. So we're going to be tackling the full trials for storyline purposes for everybody coming up as well. So that's on my YouTube channel. I'm just putting them out as quick as we can do them. And I'm going to try to keep them, uh, you know, as informative for everybody and enjoyable to watch as I can come up with. Nice. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, so go check that out. So Lotus of Doom on YouTube. Yeah. Just look it up. Lotus of Doom on YouTube. And I've got all my stuff over on robotsradio.net. So all of the network stuff, my shows, all the different lore casts I do, Lord of the Rings lore cast, Fallout lore cast, uh, The Witcher lore cast, Mass Effect lore cast, all that stuff. And then, of course, all the other shows on the network. And then any of the game streams or shows will be streamed on the Robots Radio YouTube or Twitch or um, Facebook pages so all of that stuff if you pick the platform you prefer they all get restreamed to each of those platforms and um be, i'll be probably be streaming some uh tiny tina's wonderlands so if you want some uh humorous shooting of dungeons and dragons creatures and things like that uh come join me i'll probably be streaming that actually tomorrow uh during the day so uh because I, I knocked out all the stuff i needed to do for my for my podcast recording uh this week already so i've got some time to stream tomorrow so i'll be doing that but um that's what we got going on and then of course we got our patron chat coming up next week so we'll, we'll be hanging out with some of our favorite patrons so that's coming up but uh that's what we got and thank you everybody for for hanging out with us and um I guess uh, if you tune into Tales of Tamriel on Sunday, then uh, do you know what time that'll be? It, so we will be recording at 3 p.m. Eastern. So there you go. So come hang out with us. I'll be joining them on that show, 3 p.m. Eastern, live on the uh, Dungeon Crawler Network site. No, it's just on mine. Just I, on yours. I now Lotus run the live stream for that, too. So it's just Lotus of Doom on Twitch. There you nice go. Nice and easy. Yeah. So go drop them a follow. You can catch us on Sunday. So that's what we got going on. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. And until then, don't pick up weird black books that are spewing fog all over the place because you might get sucked into them and wonder what your body's doing on the other side of reality. <laughs> Scrying right. them tides. Scrying them tides. See you guys later. <laughs> Bye, everyone. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at Lorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon. You've been listening to the Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. 
that's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now.